From Susan G. Komen, this is Real Pink, a podcast exploring real stories, struggles, and triumphs related to breast cancer. We're taking the conversation from the doctor's office to your living room. The key to making important decisions about your health is reliable information, and often when talking about breast cancer, it's hard to distinguish between good information and the myths. Today, we'd like to debunk some common myths about breast cancer to empower listeners to take charge of their health and to make the best possible choices for treatment. My guest on the show today is Dr. Amy Patel. Dr. Patel, welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you for having me. Well, I'm, I'm excited to talk to you. I know there's a lot of myths out there, so we're gonna get to those, but before we do, give us, tell us a little bit about you, give us your story and why you chose to specialize in breast radiology. Sure, well, I am a breast radiologist and medical director of the Women's Imaging Center at Liberty Hospital, which is in the Kansas City, Missouri area. So essentially my story is I grew up in very, uh, very rural America in rural Missouri. I thought that I was going to go back home and uh, eventually after medical school and residency and do, you know, some sort of primary care emphasis on women's health because I always had such an interest in women's health. And then once I hit medical school, um, my second to last year of medical school, I had a mentor that took me under her wing and she said, you know, I think you would be really good at breast imaging. And it sort of opened up my world because it had everything I wanted, patient interaction, procedural, um, you know, I, I could have all this freedom to do procedures and for, the, for breast disease and uh, as well as, you know, all of the things that we do at the workstation, the diagnostic capabilities. And it was just such a, it's such a transformative field. Every year we're finding new things in the field of breast imaging, new technologies, very exciting. And so I ended up training in the Midwest and then I actually went out to Boston, Massachusetts to practice. And um, I was working for Harvard. It was a wonderful experience, but I knew that there was such a need for subspecialized breast care, particularly in the Midwest and where I grew up. So Essentially, a really amazing leadership opportunity presented itself to me to come back to the area in which I was raised, uh, come back to the Kansas City area uh, to provide that care and to sort of lead this breast center. And consequently, we're now serving the entire Northwest Missouri in addition to where we are in sort of the North Kansas City area. So I really feel that I'm making an impact that I, I never saw earlier in clinical practice. And I think that's what we need to do as breast radiologists. If we have that subspecialized skill set, you know, it's wonderful to be saturated in very big cities, but there's still so many areas in this country that are disparate and really need us to, to be there to help them and to save lives. That's right. That's right. I love what you're doing. Uh, it's, it's really amazing that you're getting to do that and make such a huge impact. So let's talk a little bit about the common myths around breast cancer. So what are some of the most common myths that you hear about breast cancer in your practice? So there's just such a plethora of myths. And as a breast radiologist, I've really taken it upon myself to, to get out and really implement very, very aggressive community outreach because there's just so many misconceptions. And I think as well, it varies per patient demographic. If you, you know, particularly serve populations that education level may not be as high or they just have not been privy to education. I think it's really important for us to get out there. Um, so I do a lot of lunch and learns and things like that, um, evening sort of uh, events to really educate the public. But some of the ones that I, the, the most frequent ones I hear are, you know, 
um, deodorant causes breast cancer. So I'll have a lot of women say, you know, I make my own deodorant, so I won't get breast cancer. But there's really no scientific evidence that uh, commercial deodorant products uh, cause breast cancer. I mean, I use Secret myself. So um, there was one study that was done you know, over almost over a decade ago that showed no link between commercial deodorant products inducing breast cancer. So that's a complete myth. And I try to tell my patients, and that's great if you want to make your own deodorant, but, you know, it's not going to hurt you um, to use any sort of commercial product. Uh, another one that I get a lot is, you know, breast pain means I have breast pain, uh, cancer. But, you right. know, very little studies show a correlation between breast and cancer typically you know and that's not to say that we don't see cases of women who have breast cancer and experience pain but typically you know some of those women have a more aggressive type of breast cancer you'll see skin changes things like that so um, I try to reassure women you know I always say regardless if you feel something is off please get it examined I'm not saying disregard it but you right. know if you can come in and I can provide that reassurance that you know we've evaluated you there's nothing there and then give them these statistics then usually you know it really assuages fears you know another one that I get all the time is you know when I give a patient uh, the diagnosis a lot of times patients are shell-shocked you know they'll say well I don't have a family history how could this happen to me well Right. You know, that's another misconception. 75% of breast cancers that are diagnosed are actually sporadic and only 25% are inherited. And most, you know, patients in the community do not know that statistic. So it's really important that we, as breast radiologists, let patients know that. And therefore, that really demonstrates how imperative it is to have routine, you know, annual mammography screening because of that. So, um, and then, you know, another myth that I see, particularly in my part of the country, is thermography. Women go and get their thermogram, and then they see something, and then somehow they end up with me or one of the other, you know, breast imagers, and that, you know, they think that thermography is just as effective as breast cancer. But mm. we know, as a breast cancer community, the only screening tool with a proven mortality benefit is mammography. And we know that thermography is not a substitute. The FDA has come out and said this. You know, thermography does pick up on the heat that's emanated from the soft tissues of the breast. However, the problem with that is it only detects the superficial heat that's emanating off a of breast. Well, where do most breast cancers arise from? Particularly in the more posterior, deeper parts of the breast. So there's upper outer, lower inner and so it's not going to detect a lot of those breast cancers so it's really not efficacious and I you know unfortunately I do think people are profiting off of patients you know saying thermograms are just as effective so again hmm. just another myth we have to get out there and educate the community about that's right wow that's that's a lot of myths and I, I think you just debunked them all really efficiently so I really appreciate that <laughs> That's great. You're well, yeah. Let's talk just for a minute about diagnostic mammograms. So uh, let's say someone gets called back to the doctor's office for a diagnostic mammogram or when they present with a symptom and they go in, they have a diagnostic mammogram at the initial encounter. Often their minds go to the worst place. Can you educate us on any statistics or probabilities that are surrounding that? Yeah. So, I mean, really the majority of callbacks are going to end up or, you know, callbacks meaning that uh, the patient comes in for a routine screening mammogram, no symptoms, and then we see something and we call them back. The majority of those end up amounting to nothing. Either, you know, the exam ends up being negative uh, after that full evaluation that day, or the patient may go on to biopsy and end up being benign. 
Um, so I, you know, I try to get, you know, put that into perspective for women. And then particularly, you can really dice it down depending on the finding. So like, for example, an asymmetry is a one view finding, whether you see it on uh, you know, one view called our, called our craniocaudal view or one view called our mediolateral bleak. If you see uh, an asymmetry, one view finding, uh, your chance of it being anything is about 20%. And then it's even lower if it's on that MLO view, the mediolateral bleak compared to the CC. So, I mean, there's so many little statistics with that. And then, right. you know, but I do tell patients, you know, um, if they do want more education on it, you know, one in eight women will be diagnosed with breast cancer in her lifetime, um, and one in six from the ages of 40 to 49. So it's important to address any symptom, uh, or if you don't have a symptom, coming in for your routine mammogram, but just know that the majority of the time, it's usually going to end up being nothing, and it's particularly nothing, depending on what kind of finding it is that you're calling the patient back for. Right. Oh, that's great. Um, so is it true that patients don't have time to get a second opinion because they must begin treatment as soon as possible? That is not true. So, you know, typically studies at this time are demonstrating that you don't really see any sort of transformation, uh, particularly to a breast cancer for about 60 to 90 days. Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't some breast cancers that can biologically progress a lot faster. Obviously, right. if a woman has triple negative breast cancer, uh, we know that those are more biologically aggressive uh, cancers, then, you know, we need to move. But in terms of like, let's say a woman wants a second opinion and she's scheduled the following week, I mean, a week is not going to make a difference in terms of a formidable treatment plan. So, you know, I tell patients if they do want a second opinion, go ahead and get that second opinion. Don't be nervous that you're putting off treatment. And then you can make the best informed decision for yourself. So absolutely not. You can most certainly get a second opinion before deciding which treatment plan you want to go with. Yeah, I love that. I love, and I think that's smart. I appreciate you dispelling that, uh, that myth. So the next misconception it's a common misconception that either everyone diagnosed with breast cancer dies from breast cancer or alternatively that everyone diagnosed with breast cancer survives. Can you touch on that for us and just kind of give us the statistics around that? Sure. So bottom line to this question is early detection is so imperative. So we know that if you are diagnosed with a breast cancer, and we can find it incredibly early on screening mammography where the tumor, the breast cancer, is less than a centimeter, their survival probability is greater than 95%. So they're not going to die of breast cancer. You know, typically they will die of something else in their life. And if that would be considered stage one disease, you know, particularly a, a cancer that's about less than a centimeter. Now, right. Conversely, though, if you have a tumor that you present with that's over five centimeters, um, your survival probability really does plummet. And, you know, especially if you have distant mets, you're at stage four. The key to that is that, you know, like I said, early detection, early detection. And that's why as a breast cancer community, we just come out so aggressively about it because we know the statistics and we know if we can catch that uh, breast cancer while it's millimetric, the patient has a much, much greater survival probability. Hmm. That's great. I appreciate that. Okay. So more myths. It's widely thought that breast cancer only affects women over the age of 40, but I even know from hosting this podcast that that's not true. So can you talk a little bit about that myth as well? Absolutely. So, 
In April of 2018, the American College of Radiology and the Society of Breast Imaging came out with new guidelines for above average risk women. And we recommend now in this country that any woman of any color is risk assessed for breast cancer before the age of 30. Because we feel that at this time in this country, we are underestimating breast cancer risk. Mm. And then if you are risk assessed and you are deemed high risk, we are recommending annual screening mammography beginning at age 30, alternating every six months with supplemental screening in the form of breast MRI or breast ultrasound. So, you know, we're really trying to get aggressive. You know, like I told you, that statistic, uh, one in six women will be diagnosed with breast cancer from the ages of 40 to 49. There's still so much research to be done, particularly researching women from ages 30 to 39. And, you know, consequently, what we're seeing in the con this country is there are states that are passing legislation to cover annual mammograms in high-risk women um, beginning at 30. I mean, right. recently Colorado passed uh, legislation where a woman from the ages of 30 to 39 has to be covered now for an annual mammogram if she's deemed high-risk. So mm. we recommend um, that you know, the American College of Radiology, Society of Breast Imaging, the American Society of Breast Surgeons, all the subspecialty breast groups, we're recommending that you should be receiving annual screening mammography if you're an average risk woman starting at age 40 and continue to do so as long as you're in good health. And then now we're also recommending that if you are deemed high risk by 30, that you do start receiving um, regular surveillance starting at age 30. I will mention as well, if you particularly are already deemed high risk by the age of 25, if you're a BRCA carrier, uh, or something that would deem you high risk, check two mutation carrier, that sort of thing, then we do recommend annual breast MRI from the ages of 25 to 29 as well. Wow. That's uh, that's really good information. And I think, you know, it, there's, it's never harmful to get checked, right? So I think a lot of times, you know, people put it off, they don't, don't feel like they need to, but it's, it's not, certainly not going to hurt to get checked, right? Absolutely not. Like I say, you know, regardless of what age you are, please, please get evaluated. You know, and particularly younger girls or younger women, we know that typically if they do feel a lump uh, palpable, you know, if, it, if there is a mass, there's typically going to be a benign mass called a fibroadenoma, but it's important to get checked because we do unfortunately see breast cancer in young women. You know, I, I remember when I was a breast imaging fellow at, um, at Washington University in St. Louis, I had a 21-year-old mm. um, African-American female with breast cancer. So, you know, definitely do not neglect your body. Get checked out. Majority of the time, it will be nothing, but it's important just to get evaluated and have that additional reassurance. That's great. Well, uh, well, Dr. Patel, I have one final question for you. What words sure. of advice can you offer those that have a breast cancer diagnosis? Well, the words of advice I'd like to offer is that you're not alone. I think that whenever a woman is diagnosed with breast cancer, you know, they're just so beside themselves and they, they just, their mind is just racing. There's so many you know, things involved. And I just try to reassure them that you're not alone. There is a village of physicians, of, you know, patient advocates here to help you. And I right. really try to impress upon particularly my patients, really, really, you know, utilize our nurse navigator. Breast oncology nurse navigators really are the, in my opinion, they really are the glue of breast programs. Mm. And they just provide incredible support and resources for patients. And oftentimes, the breast oncology navigator has even a more formidable 
stronger relationship with the patient than the breast radiologist, the breast surgeon, the oncologist. It's pretty incredible to see. So I try to tell patients, you're not alone. We are all here to help you to get you through this. And we're going to devise a formidable treatment plan, you know, to hopefully kick this. And so, and particularly, you know, if it's a woman who has an early breast cancer or something like that, you just have to provide reassurance that we can get this, you know, knocked out. Obviously, if it's something that's more advanced, you know, we use some sort of language, or at least I use some sort of language like, you know, we're going to do the best we can. You, you know, you're in the right place. Just providing that reassurance that they're not alone and that we're here to guide them through their breast cancer journey. Um, right. I think it's just so, so important. Yeah. Wow. That's fantastic. Well, Dr. Patel, this has been amazing. I think in a very, very short amount of time, you have dispelled a vast number of myths <laughs> and I am very appreciative for that. Uh, thank you so much for joining me on the show and I'd hope that we can do it again sometime. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to Real Pink, a weekly podcast by Susan G. Komen. For more episodes, visit realpink.komen.org. And for more on breast cancer, visit Komen.org. Make sure to check out at Susan G. Komen on social media. I'm your host, Adam. You can find me on Twitter at AJ Walker or on my blog, adamjwalker.com.